Hey, it's Josh Williams here with another episode of the One Man Podcast, a bonus episode, if you will. Uh, Very excited today because I get to sit down with a guy I haven't had a chance to see in a long time who's a super, super amazing comic. You can hear him all the time. He's like the king of Laugh USA on Sirius XM Radio, performs all over North America. My buddy, Andy Hendrickson. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a one-man podcast. One-man podcast, yeah. But there's There's three three of us. us. Is that the old, every comic makes that joke? Probably. Oh, man, I'm such a hack. (laughs) That was a great intro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is with these? Oh, okay. Pop time. Is it just melted or popped? Or that's interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's my fiance Linda. Everybody, if she's, it doesn't uh, work out, I'll marry her. She's a sweetheart. <laughs> we keep getting made fun of by because we take off our shoes when we get. Into yeah, places. that's right. Canadians always take off their shoes, and I don't. I I never grew up that way. So no, I actually grew up. I lived in Hawaii for a few years. We used to just walk around barefoot all the time. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, My brother says that we used to actually go to... I kind of remember this, but I was little, that we would walk to school barefoot. We would be barefoot at school. That's amazing. What island? Oahu. Oahu. Yeah. I thought Hawaii was one island. That's how good I am at yeah. stuff. I'm like, oh, really? Hawaii, that one island? There's anyway, you and your Canadians and your shoe habits, but that's okay. It's just <laughs> polite. Well, I, you know what? I can't get people to take off shoes at my house back home. Oh, really? So it's not even like all of us. It's just some of us are still animals. Yeah. Well, you live in the, the the frat house, the comedian frat house yeah. up in uh, Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. But the people who come over don't live there. Oh. Yeah. So maybe maybe they just think like these guys are animals. Already. Let's just have a house already. Yeah. yeah. Is it now? Is it, is, is it still Simon in there? Is it still? Uh, it's still I mean, Simon. Simon can't take care of himself. Things. Things you don't just overcome down syndrome like that. Does, does Simon <laughs> listen? Hey, Simon. Simon doesn't listen. You, right. That would mean having to work a computer or electronic oh, yeah. device. <laughs> Simon's like, uh, yeah, he's from a different era, living in a, <laughs> in 2018. I think he's from a different orifice. Yeah, he's different. <laughs> it's just different like, where did he come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, so here we are. We're at your place in uh, in Santa Monica. It's been a beautiful drive so far. We drove past an HBO Hulu building. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're here in Santa Monica. There's all the uh, Lionsgate is literally. We walk the dog past line. My dog shits on Lionsgate's lawn. Actually, he's gangster, aren't you, yeah. buddy? Oh, yeah. I love this dog. <laughs> he's so cool. Just hanging out with, and he's nice. He waits to be called over. That's right. He's this a good dog. Like a, I feel like Johnny Carson right now. He sits over there. He's he did his thing. Now he's just like I'm waiting to waiting to get waved. We over. adopted him down in San Diego, and then we found out about three weeks after that he was. Uh, Actually found on the streets of Mexico, so we're oh, okay. so he's an undocumented immigrant. I was going to say he's yeah. illegal. Yeah, he's an illegal. Yeah. And uh, so, what a great don't tell movie. ICE. Do you think the? Uh, I don't think uh, ICE listens to your podcast. No. They will now. Yeah, as soon as you put it on. I don't know. Is there things that scrub the internet for like spoken word things? <laughs> Probably the NSA okay. definitely is listening. Oh yeah, I mean, check one, two, I, check one NSA. I got cameras in the walls yeah. right here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, for starters, thanks for having us. Hey, really, really yeah, feel free to invite us into your home to yeah. to just Welcome. shoot the old shit. Yeah, what um, do you? So, what do you think of? Should I be asking questions? I always. What do you guys think of Los Angeles? This is your first time. What you do you want? think of Los Angeles? Ah, uh, it's overwhelming. Overwhelming. Um, yeah. Well, because in what sense? Uh, so for starters, crowds, traffic. I well. think it's the okay. So there's a lot of things. For starters, 
I'm just, my first instinct is you hear all, I listen to NWA, okay, growing up. Right. So there's a lot of stories of Los Angeles. It's not exactly as friendly as Canada. Right. Right. So I, uh, my first thoughts are just got to be careful. Right? Yeah. And, and people are like, well, you just got to be careful. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you, you could be careful when you're making eggs with a stove. Right. The repercussions. It's vague. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, what does be careful mean? I mean, lock my doors. It's like telling people how to get into heaven. Right. You just right? got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, uh, you know, just don't kill people. Just be careful. Yeah. Try not to steal or covet. Be careful. What's the other one? Are you comfortable right now? Yeah. These things are wicked hot. Like, you could be comfortable, and then it'll still pick you up. Oh, okay. Just just if you want. Well, I mean, you know. I, I spared no expense. I'm like, I went and I bought hey, it's all a this good stuff setup. just this one. Interview. High tech. Did you get this at uh, Best Buy in Ottawa? No. You... I went to a place called Long and McQuaid. Oh, okay. They're not sponsors, but yeah. they took really good care of me. They basically dealt with my anxiety and, and neuroses, asking a thousand questions to make sure I fully understood everything. So you had to take all this equipment across the border. Yeah. Yep. Then did you have any hassle? I was terrified I would. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, these guys are going to bother the shit out of me because they're like, why are you bringing all this electronics across the way and you're not working? Right. I came to interview terrorists. <laughs> I do a terrorist podcast. I just go around. I talk to cells, hidden cells, and I interview the terrorists all around. They're hard to find. You guys should uh, email me. I'll give you the list. <laughs> like naming names? Yeah. That's basically what I'm doing. Remember what happened to Chaplin? I'm going to do that now, only with terrorists. We're going to name them out. And so you've been hanging out at the store, uh-huh. and uh, that's been a good experience. You were telling me before, you guys were telling me that they they're friendly, comedian friendly. Very okay. Like you know when you're a new amateur, in I mean, for you, no, long, not long me. I started out as a pro, actually. <laughs> I came out of the womb as a pro. Yeah, yeah. like first joke killed. Yeah, never took. A yeah, step I came backwards. out of the womb with a mic in my hand. <laughs> Sounds like a rap lyric. It's funny. Simon came vagina. out of the womb with a bubble in his brain. Yeah. So. <laughs> the. Uh, I don't know, like it's it's nice in the sense that, like I said, when you're an amateur, everybody's friendly because you're all at the same level. Right. Right. But then as soon as one person starts to move past the group, you start to feel all that and yeah, like he's doing well. Right. So I don't know. My I it feels very comfortable at the amateur level, everything, but there's my gut is like it's because we're not a threat or anything like that. But right. I can see how like if I came in and started to get a couple opening spots and stuff, then it would you would immediately feel like these hundreds of amateurs that are hanging out like fuck that. I've been here, like, I don't know. I, my gut tells me it's funny because we're all not a threat to each other. Right. So. Uh, you know what? I, I've i never been a part of that kind of open mic culture, is that what I would call it? But people have told me about that. I started out, I, there was a small community in Atlanta that we did comedy. This is a long time ago. It was 98 was my first time on stage. Yeah, and we always ask that on the podcast anyway, so we may as well just get yeah. right into it. Yeah, 1998, I took a comedy class, blah, blah, blah. People, there's you can say pro or anti-comedy class, but it worked for me. I got my yeah. five minutes, and then from that I built. But uh, there wasn't much going on there except for one comedy club that had an open mic every Tuesday, and like whatever, 20 people would sign up, and they would give you two, they gave two spots out. That was it. And then you work with the pros. And the second night after my comedy class, I got on uh, and it it went okay. So I was like, hey, these jokes worked in front of a regular crowd. Maybe I got something here. And then anyway, so we started doing comedy all around Atlanta. But it wasn't like this was back before Facebook and YouTube and all that shit. So 
when you promoted the show, you just put up flyers and you just, you know, called friends and there weren't as many bar shows. So okay. there's just, for the first two or three years, it was just very sporadic getting stage time. But um, I eventually, long story short, worked myself into a position where I had about 20 minutes of material and then I started going out on the road just emceeing and stuff and then I eventually, I got a part-time job and eventually phased that out. But, uh, so I, I went on, and then I just went on the road for like seven years. And I was, before I moved to New York, I was already, I was kind of middling and headlining. I do a little bit of both, and I was doing a few colleges. And so when I got to New York, I had, I was pretty seasoned. Seven years is decently right. seasoned. And yeah, I had a tough time like getting on the bar shows and getting to know people and getting into the clubs and stuff. But I never felt that um, that open mic. Uh, I don't know what that is. Like a like a starting over kind of thing. Yeah, I, well, it was definitely starting over, but I never felt like that. Uh, people talk about like where the, there's that competitive open mic cult, the open mic culture, the drama. Culture, the yeah, drama. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that comes in with that. Just yeah. even like the clicks and things like clicks, that. Clicks, yeah. I didn't really feel a whole lot of that. Um, you know, I was just happy to get on where I could, but it, I didn't feel like, I never sensed that. But I think if you start off, if you're like year one, two, three, four, five, six, and you're, yeah. and you're just doing open mics and stuff, then clearly there's going to be all sorts of clicks. I was already 37 when I moved to New York too, so I was like, you know, I don't got time for that. Bullshit. Yeah, and and nobody wants to be part of it. Like Otto was funny. Holy shit, I'm old. I just realized. <laughs> but uh, that's what we came here for. Yeah, this isn't even a real recording yeah. device. It was just it's an intervention. Yeah. Oh. All right. We're just trying to say quit. Can you turn? Your we hat? need. We want the stage time. Get just out of the business. Continue. Let the younger guys yeah. move. It's up. just when you hit forty, you can't wear the hat like that anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta it's turn, a habit. You got to turn it around. Yeah. You gotta, right? It's our version of Logan's Run. You got to renew and let the young. Now you're dating yourself. Yeah, that's that. right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and of course, there's always just a quick little intro. Uh, I, I'm still in Los Angeles with Mike, so we've got all these bonus episodes. There'll be one a week for a while. So, you know, three weeks from now, long after we've got back to Canada, people will be hearing your interview and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I but, see. So just to remind them that Mike is, of course, here with me in Los Angeles. Hello. My co-pilot on all these interviews. What's your last name, Mike? LeBlanc. LeBlanc. That's very, that fits. Yeah. French Canadian. Absolutely. He's French Canadian. Williams. That's not. No. What is no. that? I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's an American. It feels like American, man. Shit. Is it? Well, it's. I think it's Welsh. Mm. Ah, yeah. Which is, you know, like vintage American. <laughs> right. We're <laughs> vintage Canadian pot. too. That's. I think that might be part of it too. Just that 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 thing is that we come in and it's like, oh, where are you guys from? And it's like Canada. It's like, oh, you're not even American. Right. You know what I mean? There might be. I. I don't know. Like I, said, I think people love Canadians here. I could just be incredibly insecure too and be like, I think that they hate me if I do well. And then it's just like, no, everyone is just nice and welcoming. And, you know, we're all just trying to get that nut, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough business, man. I have, I meet guys on the road all the time that are, you know, hey, you know, well, how do I do this? What about this? Do you know people to do this, that, and the other? And you're like, I try and help everybody I can. Yeah. If they're good or not, not even, they don't have to be good, but they have to be trying. Good, trying and in good people, right? If there's some kind of cocky douche who's, even if he's super funny, but if he's a dick, dick face, I'm not going to help him out. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, and the thing too is one of the, like one of the few things we have in this business is like our word. Right. right. So like, you're not going to, 
you're not going to give someone a reference because you feel bad for them. You're like, okay, well now nobody over there is going to ever take a reference from me again because right. I sent them this piece of right, garbage. and then or even just for advice. If I if I meet a guy or, or a girl who's who needs, like, hey, can I run this thing past you, or how do you think I should approach this, or whatever? I'm always happy to help. But um, anyway, I remember when I see these people, the reason why I'm so willing to help is because I remember when I was in that position and how lost you feel when you're a newer comic and you're just trying to figure out how to navigate the comedy waters. And there's someone once told me, like, I don't remember who told me this, but it was like, you know, with comedy or any kind of art form, there's no linear path, right? There's no like, if I do this, then this will happen. And if, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, everything it's a tough, throw it against the wall and see what sticks kind of thing. Right. Which is tough. And it used, this is a, this is an old guy thing to say, but it used to just be like, well, it's based on your merit. If you're funny, mm-hmm. if you're really funny, yeah. then the industry will come to you and you'll get a TV show. And now it's not even close to anything like that. Now it's like, are you good on Instagram and Twitter or whatever it is? And yeah. Can you sell tickets? How many viewers right. does this show get? Because- Which is fair. That's just how it's morphed. That's what it's morphed into. It but- used to be that marketing was a different person you would hire. Now you have to be marketing. Right. You got to be, the, the comedians got to be everything. They got to be a great marketer. They got to be a great promoter. They got to be funny. Um, most times. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of It's, you know. Most times. It's also, it's a lot like music, right? A lot of comedians, like, we'll see some comedian, like, I can't believe that dude is so popular. I can't stand their comedy. It's so basic or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, you might like punk music and hate country music. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. I listen to country songs and the, like the the new like the pop country shit. I'm yeah, like, Florida, I can't believe people like this okay. shit. I thought you were saying that you listen to it. I was Every like, song's like <laughs> it's like so formula. Yeah. My truck, my whiskey, my you know my my girl, my, my, girl, my boots, and just like Dude, they hip- put it in every fucking song, and everyone's like, "Well, that's good. I like it." Yeah, but yeah. you know that's just what hip hop is, right? I know. I got, I got it bitches. Is. I got dubs. It is. It's exactly it's the same hip- thing. Just it's, better it's, beat. It's hip hop for people who don't like hip hop. Yeah, hip hop yeah. moves too quickly. When they're rapping quickly, they go, that's "I right. can't keep up with these stories." And someone's like, color. "I got a truck. I got a dog. I got a woman." Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess it's poppier. Yeah. But <laughs> I like lyrics that have some thought Same. and some meaning. Right. And with hip hop and there is some good country there and is. good rock and good, you know. But I, I mean there's an occasional pop song that's good too, right? <laughs> I like some songs just for the beat, even though they're shitty. Well, like I, I thought of this the other day and, and I never pitch premises ever, not not at clubs or on the podcast or whatever. But I thought of this the other day because I was reading a book called Classical Music. Right. It's this book all about like uh the origins of music and classical music. And I just got to thinking, I'm like, like now music is like, Hey, can you shake your tits and Instagram and promo, whatever? I'm like, remember when it was just like, Hey, are you good at music? Like you have something to say. Right. This is all, you just feel it. No one was like, Hey, how do we uh, promote this? Can ye put up the scrolls right. in thine town square? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and thine followers. <laughs> right. Like, the first followers were the apostles. I think that was the That's- first, that was the first boy band. <laughs> We're working out bits here, everybody. Yeah, here I don't know. I, I was just, all I thought was like, it's, it's a shame that we're at a point now where it's not even like music is not like, hey, do you really have something to say? Only the stuff I listen to, like Diana Krall and whatnot. 
Well, <laughs> I think there was a, the documentary is called Sound City. Yes. By Dave Grohl. Great movie. Yes. And it talks about this studio here in LA that Nirvana did their album, Fleetwood Mac, all these bands. Yeah. And they had this great sound board. The Neve. And who? It's called the Neve board. The Neve board. Yeah. And the Neve board, while it was a quality board, it, it didn't, um, it wasn't digital. And so the musicians had to be good musicians. Mm. They had to be great musicians. They had to play in rhythm. They had to sing in harmony. And that was awesome because it was quality music. Nowadays, you can just go into a studio and uh, put it, you know, what do they call it? Auto-tune? Yeah. Auto-tune. And it's just like any shithead can... Oh yeah! If they got a good producer, they can just make a good song. Nick uh, Nick Carter from Ottawa. I'm sure you've met Nick years ago. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't do stand up anymore. I haven't no, that's oh, too now. bad. Oh, Nick was hilarious, and I remember one time we was listening to one of the relatively new pop songs years ago, and just comes on and he's listening. And he's like, "Yeah, this song needs more computers." Yeah, <laughs> like that's the computer. That's that's what it feels like. Yeah. It needs an extra motherboard. Yeah, right. It's like how do you sing like hip hop? I, I think there was like the, the little bit of a you know controversy when. When Beyonce won, or when that Kanye interrupted Beck, because that's what he does—he interrupts everybody. Beck and said that Beyonce should have won, and everyone was like, "You know, he can play nine instruments and he writes his own music, right?" And it's like Beyonce doesn't write her own; she doesn't play anything. Like, if you're gonna shit on someone and say this musician, it's like it's it's like a talking head. You're a talking head, and they play music for you. I don't know why. that it, reading that book really got me going. Like it's just a it's just a shame that there's there are some people that are still inspired and still write music, but the pop stuff isn't like, hey, this was the best song. This so that's 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 all like why I think about comedy sometimes. Like there's some comics you see, you're like, holy shit, that guy's funny or that girl's hilarious. How come they're not bigger? Mm. And because they're not good at the business end, they're just really good at being funny. Yeah. Or because they're good at they're pretty good at the business end and they're really good at being funny, but you know, they're homebodies or something. They do their spot and they they're not good at the the, the they didn't get the break. They weren't out there when uh when when they were handing out breaks. The time <laughs> you know there's a break <laughs> shop the, yeah. out here in LA. I love that. You just go and uh, <laughs> you just give them your soul. They hand you, you just you. Uh, I've been driving by and think it was a mechanic. No, I should have gone into the brake shop. It's it's uh, actually where you get a break in your career. But, but my understanding, they used to hand out development deals for a long time, and like up until the two thousands and such, and then they yeah. stopped because it was just kind of they weren't panning out. Like I don't know if you yeah the whole ah uh, yeah, but I wasn't um I wasn't uh, I was doing comedy, but I wasn't good enough to be like catch the tail end of that uh, when they're handing out breaks. <laughs> it's so funny that some comics, like if you, when you talk to them, they actually, it's almost like that's their mentality. It's like they're just, they're just giving out chances. No, it doesn't happen that way anymore. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's a series of small incremental s- s- little things, right? You do this thing, you meet that person, they connect you, you do this, you do Montreal, you meet some people in Montreal, they get you, put you on, they put you on this other show and you meet this person and it, it slowly builds until mm-hmm. something cracks and then maybe you get a netflix special which or whatever yeah. even that doesn't no, what moves the needle nowadays, everyone no. th- everyone thinks that it's like uh yeah this one thing is what just skyrockets you. you never know i personally i don't know if i've ever shared this on the regular podcast or with a guest before but one of the first things that i noticed about this whole trend changing was when they started to do the whole uh you know american idol thing 
Right. It's basically, hey, can we get a bunch of people who want to be like before? It's like, hey, we think you have talent. Let's put a bunch of money into you and try to promote you and see if we can sell you. Right. right. They're taking the risk. Now it's like, hey, what if we just got 50 people that all show a minor amount of talent? We'll get them to compete against each other. We'll let the actual audience tell us who they like the best right. versus trying to spend all that money. We don't even have to pay them in the process. And then when one of them wins the grand prize, guess what? They've already got all of this listenership. And when we sell the, the albums, we know we're going to make the it's money. It's like one giant bringer show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly that's what American it. Idol is. It's just a bringer show. And I think that's why the social scale. media stuff works too, because you basically can look at someone first and go, oh, they already have 100,000 people a million people that are into them. Let's give that one a crack because they're already watching what this person's doing versus the whole, Hey, that's development deal. That's basically they've gone. We don't need to put our own money into it anymore because we can just see who's already popular. And then just back that YouTuber wasn't a thing. Now it's yeah. a thing. Well, it's also cause it's uh this seems like a business podcast, but it's all, uh, <laughs> is it funny? It's, yet? uh, no, but it might be interesting. It's not necessarily funny right George now. George Carlin, man. But uh, it's uh, it's so saturated and fractured, right? So the studios that used to be the powerhouses, NBC, CBS, ABC, or whatever, now there's tons of competition. There's 200 channels. There's all these streaming services and stuff. So they don't have the kind of budget just to like make bets. Right everything's tighter if i've talked to guys that worked in you know tv and stuff and, and movies and there was a guy that came out to a story of queens they were gonna try and do a reality show on all the comics that lived in astoria called funny in astoria they came out and shot us and and never went but i remember him telling me he's like now everything we do even that's why reality shows are so popular is because so cheap but now everything we do we got to turn in a report for every single expense. Because back when I used to work in TV, whatever, back in the early 90s or whatever, I would just use the company car service to go do laundry and to go to <laughs> go to bars. And I'd get hammered and I'd call a car service. And it didn't matter. They just would, You could just throw money around. And now everything's yeah, competitive and they tracked and they got to really keep, keep their eye on it. A lot tighter. Yeah. So um, anyway... What about comedy? <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, and like I said, you know, honestly, with with my podcast, it's not like all right, it's gonna stay funny. Yeah, <laughs> hey, welcome to the morning show. <laughs> honk, honk. Do you know why I like doing these? Is because I uh, every time you see like radio interviews, it's always like, hey, be funny, force it, whatever. Right. And I've I've always I've always had way more fun just chatting with the comics and actually getting an opportunity to ask the questions that nobody ever asks. Right. I wanted to do a a, a podcast years ago with just like talking with athletes and stuff because you watch those little 30 second interviews it's like oh well, we, you know we should try to stick to the game plan and uh oh, yeah. come back in the next quarter and uh you know just try to try to put things we put more on their defense and try to get offers it's like it's like the same do you know they get coached the by the way they, of course they do yeah, yeah. they're like yeah, they're there's athletes. a professional person that says say this say that just and just repeat it over and over and over yeah it's not like these guys are athletes if they were articulate no i'm <laughs> they're making millions i'm yeah, making yeah. fun of millionaires here yeah yeah he's the best by the way Lucky. Lucky's yeah. amazing. Here, hey, puppy. Yeah. He's a good dog. We got really lucky. I mean, no, uh, we're fortunate. <laughs> no, uh, no, no pun intended. Yeah. He's so funny. Is that why he's got a little facial hair? Huh? He's a got a beard. Strong? Yeah. <laughs> I Man, I love this dog. It's crazy how much I love You're this You're like, dog. he ran away one time you found him in front of a Home Depot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, when we first got him, I was like, you know what? He's no, he's not going to be allowed in the bed. I'm not going to be one of those people yeah, with dog hair with all that. over me. Good luck. And now I'm like, I walk around, like, I'll look, I'll be at the grocery store, and I'm like, oh shit, I got dog hair all over me, and like the bed. He sleeps in the bed every night now. Yeah. It's like minorly annoying at times, but there's like a whole brand of stuff that says like dog hair don't care in Canada. Oh, that's an, that's kind of like, annoying. Yes. <laughs> Try. I make an effort. Oh yeah, they don't. Well, they don't have themselves covered, but the whole that's just a brand that's like I'm all about my dog. Like mm-hmm. you got a golden retriever or something, you're like, there's nothing you can do. It floats in the air, and you're like, How right. But they they bring so much love. They do. People don't. Yeah, people don't get dogs. Like people with cats. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate animals, but Jesus Christ, cats are boring. It's like I want something to love me, but I don't have to do anything. Yeah, like that says a lot about what you'll bring to a human relationship. You got to give. Yeah, if you want me to love you, you got to give back a little bit. Stupid cat. No, some cats are are, (laughs) have dog like personalities. Yeah, Yeah. then that's 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 the ultimate compliment for a cat. Is like you're like another animal that's already better. Right. It's also Russian roulette. If you're ever gonna even get an animal like that too, right? You're like, well, my cat's got like dog dog like personality. That's if you get a cat. You don't know if you're going to get one of those. You right. might get one of those asshole cats who'll knock down every shit on your table. Anytime. Yeah. You know, my mom had an asshole cat. Yeah. And man. I would even say that a dog with a cat personality is still better than a cat with a dog personality. <laughs> Sorry. Right. That's funny. That's actually funny. <laughs> it's like you're that's still better bit. as a dog. <laughs> I'd rather have a dog with a cat personality than a cat with a dog personality. I'm st- I just stole that bit. Take it. No. Uh, anyway. So uh, what were we talking about before the the dog uh, walked in here and distracted everybody? Were we? Well, I mean, uh, going back, you start off in Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, you went your way, made your way to New York. What brought you to New York? Was it purely comedy or did you have other things going on or? Well, I grew up on the East Coast. Okay. So that was one factor. I, uh, I was living with a girl, a woman, a girl, whatever. And uh, we broke up and abruptly. And uh, so I ended up moving in with my mom temporarily. I was doing, I just started doing comedy full time on the road. And so I was like, I'm just going to stay here temporarily and figure it out. And then for like the next four years, I was just like a feature act on the road. And I just lived at my mom's. When your mom is in New York? She, she's in Virginia, Virginia near okay. DC. Oh, I see. Okay. And uh, I was like, I mean, one year I think I did 48 or 49 weeks. Wow. On the road. Like, I was I'm counting like uh, a weekend counted as a week for me, but right. I was, I, I swear it was 49 weeks. I put almost 40,000 miles on my car. Jesus. I was just a machine. I was obsessed with it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was re- really into it. But at some point, I was like, I got to get out of here and make my next move, right? So I thought I tried to get into the college market because that's kind of lucrative, and I, I slowly got into that a little bit. Once I got in there, I was like, okay, now it's time to move. Uh, my college agent was based out of Buffalo, New York, so he had a lot of um, connections up up on the East Coast. So it just made more sense. Plus, I came out to L.A., and I visited New York. I went to both. And I really, at the time, hated LA. I thought yeah. it was there. I thought there was like a super douchey vibe out here. I went. I did a. I won't say the guy's name, but I did a show, and a few of the people there just were like so uh, the kind of people that shake your hand and look the other way. Mm-hmm. Kind of you know like 
who else is in the room kind of thing he's like what are your credits and i was like well i just i literally had just come back from performing for the troops and i was like uh uh i said yeah i just came back from iraq performing for the troops which back then not not a lot of people had done that so that was kind of a cool thing back then and i think i might have been on sirius xm right those were my two credits and he goes all right i'll make something up and then wow and then he goes on stage and he said he's in a new movie coming out this was a a book's open mic. He's in a new movie coming out with uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Please welcome to stage Andy Hendrickson. He literally made up credits so uh, he, his open mic looked cool, you know? And uh, I don't know. I just had a bad, I got a bad taste in my mouth when I was out here the first time. And I was like, wow. And then I went to New York and I had friends there and it seemed to be a little, more, warmer. A little warmer and more opportunities to get on stage. And so... My, it's an easier move too. I mean, logistically. From what I hear from other comics and stuff, and on podcasts and stuff, my preconceived notions of both New York and LA was that you know comics that go to New York are comics that want to be comics, and then people that come to LA are the ones who want to do comedy as a means to get into TV and movies. Yes, and it's funny because the credit he made up for you was not stand-up related; <clears throat> it was film related. Yeah, your yeah. credit is he's in a new movie, so it's like, well, yeah, but what about? I don't know. That's that's what I think is, I, and and I want to be in the states. There's more markets here. I don't have to travel as far to do shows. Right. Canada's so spread out. I love I love my country, but they don't even see stand up as an art form. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so uh, yes, my hand is over my heart. I actually brought a maple leaf to leave behind. No, um, but I yeah. Just, so that was 2006 ish, yeah. I think, and uh, I I was. Uh, pretty cynical person back then definitely east coast vibe i just felt like it wasn't a good fit i like it out here now there's lots of nice people yeah there is definitely um that la kind of you occasionally run into the stereotype of the phony la people or whatever that are just so caught up in their own bullshit but there's really lots of nice people and i made some good friends out here and uh the well, the clubs are nice, and so it's good. It just the timing's got to be right. Yeah, they. I mean, that's that's an old cliche, right? New York's about the comedy, and it's like. Well, that's what I want to ask. Is that true? Because the shit you hear is almost never. I think so. I think, I think there's a lot of good comics out here, but there's a, a lot of people here who are doing comedy as a means to get into something else. Yeah, there's people who get on stage out here who are better actors than they are comedian but because they have good acting credits they get they get they get stage time uh i don't know this may get me in trouble i used to say new york is uh talent-based comics and uh, la is credit-based comics Wow, and that's not it's not that's a generalization like i said there's a lot of great comics out here but um there's more out here that are trying to do something else besides comedy. New York's very, they're just very comedy. They don't put up with, they don't put up with the bullshit out there, especially. Right. There's kind of a checks and balances yeah. out there. The cr- I also feel like the crowds here are, they're more sensitive yeah. here, but they're also way more forgiving on, they'll laugh at a lot. And in New York crowds are very discerning. Like yeah. they'll read through your bullshit. If you're up there being fake or, putting fluff into your act right 
they'll they'll read right through it. Well, they've started, and to defend you on that is is you know just so in case I don't I can't see it getting you in trouble with anybody here. But the truth is, there's a lot of clubs now in Canada that are starting to do the model that they only book headliners with credits. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter if like you've worked with guys. I I wouldn't name names, but you put two back to back and you go. That's it's like, and those guys don't have a, a late night U.S. TV credit. Right, but it's like, like, but no, that guy's a killer. Yeah, he's a fucking monster, but he can't get work at certain clubs because he just doesn't have that credit. So all you need is, you know, as a Canadian to get on a late night TV thing, it's like, okay, well, that's quite the hill to climb to get work in your own country. You know, right? So there, but there's places that's a model now because they go, well, the audience just wants to see that, and they go, well, I know what that is. I don't know who you are. So like, I'm gonna it's come. like you're playing a video game. You get that un- achievement unlocked. Boom! There you go. The yeah, now you're spot. bookable. Now you can now <laughs> now that little darkened out area. But level I totally is get that mentality. You. You're like, there's the talent based, and then there's the credit based, and that's that's the difference. Yeah, and it doesn't mean just because you have the credit doesn't mean you're fucking killer. It means that you had a killer five maybe or six, and sometimes not even. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean that that's unfortunate, but I also understand it as a I, I'm not a club owner, but I can also see where you're like. At some point, you got to draw a line, mm-hmm. right? There's a thousand comics banging down your door. How do I set some kind of filter? Mm-hmm. Baseline. Yeah. It's probably not fair, but it's probably makes life a little bit easier. Well, they probably look at it and go, well, if NBC or ABC was willing to risk their advertising dollars on throwing that guy on their show, then that's got to stand for something. Yeah. I, that's the only thing I can think of. Is they they look at it and go, ah, well, they were willing to show a million people that guy. There's probably enough of them that. Yeah, luckily, I think I I started in a time where, um, you know, that wasn't the case. Right. I when I started, they would put up the middle. I mean the uh, the uh, MCs. They don't like, do that anymore. No, not usually. It's a local. It's always a local guy. Now usually the features are local. <clears throat> Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they'll bring in features and put them up. Depends on the club, but that's less. That's diminished a little bit. Yeah. So. And clubs are, uh, from my understanding, a lot bigger here too. What like, do you mean? You get like sort of like three hundred to five hundred seat, quote unquote, clubs. Yeah. And you're like, that's a fuck. That's a theater. That's a little that's a theater. Small theater. That's not a lot of those improvs and some of those funny bones are really. It's kind of become like. Um, a machine, right? They've really, they're organized. They're a corporation. They're like, okay, we're going to rebuild this room, make it 300. And they've done all the numbers and stuff. And they just, you know, what sucks is playing a room like that when it's half full. Oh yeah. yeah. I'd rather, I, I think I'm every comic would always prefer the low ceiling. Yeah. 150, 200 people max kind of thing. Or, or if you're fortunate enough, I've done enough theater gigs. Like, to me, that's the ultimate perfect place to do comedy mm-hmm. is in a theater, a full theater. Everyone's facing forward. They've all had their drinks. There's no waitresses or waiters walking around. Um, they've paid probably a decent pri- a ticket price to come in. So yeah. they're like, I'm going to watch this. I'm here. And just the, uh, the atmosphere in a theater is just yeah. great. And yeah, they're there to see you. That's the best right. part too. Yeah, They're there to focus. see you. They don't. Nobody walks by a theater and goes, "Gee, I wonder what's playing at the music hall tonight." Let's right. just buy a hundred dollar ticket or whatever and see who's there. They're like, "Yeah, no, they're there to see you." And as a comic, I I love going into old theaters. There's and all across America, and I'm sure this is in Canada, yeah. but there's these theaters in these small towns and big towns, and 
they have a history. You go backstage and you're walking around and you see a poster of like just whatever musician that was here in the 50s and there's old props there and they have a smell to them and there's just like a cool fucking vibe. That's yeah, history. Yeah, and you're like, oh man, I'm going on the stage where all these other different artists and stuff have yeah. done their shows and hundred thousands of people have come through here and enjoyed the had a good time. I don't know. There's something cool. It's like you can feel it in the walls or something. I love theaters. Yeah. I've been, Too bad I'm not big enough to play theaters. I felt that I've been at the Neptune Theater in Seattle. Yeah. If you've ever had a chance to play there. Yeah. That, that has like a, I don't know what it is about that place. It has this setup that's just like the second you sit in there, you know some something cool has happened here before. Yeah. And there's a history to that place. It's apparently incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I like the movie theaters. Yeah. <laughs> I like movie theaters. I've yeah. seen all kinds of stars yeah, yeah. on those screen. <laughs> it's like you've had, uh, I mean, just to put, it, to put it weird, like right after, you know, I, I, you've done, obviously, I've, you've done theaters before. You've done some of the most iconic stuff that you can do in stand-up, too. Like, I guess so. <laughs> I guess See, so. that's how you can tell Andy's yeah, a real did. comic. Because instead of being that guy who's like, oh, I did this, and he's super excited, but he's like, yeah. There's always there. Yeah, so. well, you're always like, oh, uh, yeah, that was a while ago. I need, uh, I need something new. I got to work on something the new. The best way to know you're still a comic is to never be happy with your You'd never be happy. No. No, it's always the one thing. That's, but that's the that's the curse of being an artist. Because as right. soon as you're happy with it, you're done. As soon as you're like, yeah, I've done everything I need to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good here. Well, toast. I will say this. Uh, I became pretty obsessed with doing Letterman when I lived in New York. My roommate, Keith, had done it. Keith Alberstadt, very funny guy. Good dude. And some of my friends had done it. And it was like the iconic. It was like the last late night TV spot that had real clout. Mm -hmm. And I became almost un unhealthily obsessed with getting on that show. Mm -hmm. And... Some new bookers took over, and I got them a tape, and I won't go through the whole process, but it was like back and forth and multiple live auditions and multiple recording of the tape, change this joke, edit this. Mm -hmm. No, we like these jokes instead, do this. Okay, come back to our second live audition. The producers will be there. Okay, we like this. Send us another tape. Okay, well, then can you switch the closer? You know, like it just, this went, went on for How like long? A, yeah. a year. A what? year. What? Yeah. That to, to do like five minutes? To do five minutes. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot of mental. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I have I had some health problems at the time too. I, I eventually got diagnosed with, uh, which is a whole another long story, with Lyme disease. So I had some neurological problems and I finally got treated with intravenous antibiotics and blah, blah, blah. But so that process, right, for a year of like, Instead of going out and doing a set and like working on new jokes, you're working on that. Like, I gotta get a new tape. I gotta get this tape to him. So it's not even fun, right? You're like, just oh, I gotta try the set another way. Instead of like, I gotta work on these new jokes. I'm I'm fascinated between like, like I again not in a hurry to 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 move off of it, but the um the the fix it and then come back and audition it again because you're giving them tapes. So my thoughts are like, are you filming? Like, here's here's the me filming what you've asked me to change. Here you go. And then I go, okay, now come back and show us. Okay, I'll tell you how it So I sent them a tape. Uh, I met them. I met them in person. Keith introduced me to them. And they said, yeah, you know, we're looking for new people. I was up in Montreal at the Comedy Works. Mm -hmm. 
I taped my best 10 clean minutes up front and I had a super hot crowd. I sent them that, I sent them that link with the tape, but I sent them that link and they're like, Hey, this is good. The thing is you don't hear back too. So you're always wondering, like, you know, you wait a while, you wait a while. Finally, there's a response. Well, we're doing a showcase at, uh, I can't remember the name of the place here in New York. You available? Yeah, I'm available. Okay. You sent us a 10 minute, give us your best seven. It's okay. You did that showcase. It was in kind of a weird space and not everyone just kind of did okay, right? Okay, uh, I gave you my seven. You're like, in your head, you're like, ah, do I follow up with them? I don't want to bug them. There was a whole lot of that. Yeah. But what's what's the play here? Do I wait another week? What should I do? Am I being a pest or am I not? Are they forgetting about me? Should I remind them? All that shit. And then you go, so I finally got a hold of them after that. And they're like, okay, yeah, we liked what you did. Uh, give us the five that you want to do on TV and on tape. Mm-hmm. So I take that from that seven minutes, I build a set. Okay, what am I going to do? These, well, these are the ones I like. Chop it down, try it a million different ways. And you till you get them all to seg into from one thing to the next, you get it perfect. Okay, I'm going to open with this. I'm going to close with this. I got it. I got it perfect. I've been practicing these sets for months. I finally got the right crowd. I brought my camera again. I set it up in the back of room for the 40th show. <laughs> I've nailed it. You sent them that tape. They don't, you don't hear back. You don't hear back. You don't hear back. Oh, you don't hear back. Six. Should I follow up? I don't, know, I, don't know. I don't know. Should I follow up? Finally, you sent, they, they get back to you like, hey, with this, this is good, but actually, these are the jokes that we like from <laughs> from the first seven minutes you sent us. Didn't told us that we like to see a set with these jokes. So they just like almost like, well, show us what you want, and then they go, "Here's what we want." Yes, and in your head, you're going, "Fuck, man! I just spent so much time obsessing, making sure I got this thing perfect, and I sent it to you, and now you want these jokes." But in the back of your mind, you're also going, hey, these are the Letterman bookers, and they responded to me. Right. At least they're interested. Most people I know who have been trying to get on that show don't even get a response. Okay. Right. Um, so I, then I you go. I almost feel like they want you. Like back in my mind, I'd be like, they, it's like they want you. But instead of just saying, we want you, we're just not ready for you right now. We need like six months. They're just like, let's just keep them sharp the and tight. We'll make, and we can't just be like, hey, we're going to keep you up for six months. Because then you start to you go, okay, I got that six, and you just let it slide. They're like, no, we need to keep him in the gym for six months, keeping the set hot right. for the second we want. It's the dating equivalent of <laughs> We'll take any of that ten. We just got to tell him this here. We'll just bounce it around, keep going to the gym, and action. Never right. <laughs> so I get that I get that five ready yeah. based on those jokes. Okay, now it's, it's six minutes. So I'm going to have to cut out a joke. Okay, da, 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 you finally get that ready. Send it to them. Don't hear back. Well, same same deal. Finally, you get back. They get back to you and say, "Okay, you know what? We're going to do a live showcase in front of the, the executive producers on this night. Can you be there? Yeah, I'll be there." You get there and you do that. That went pretty well. I remember Michael Che was on that. Okay, it was in Caroline's on a Monday night. Shitty crowd. To Michael Che's credit, all of us had just mediocre sets because the crowd was kind of a dud and. He got on stage, and I remember he kind of just amped it up. He just, yeah. just his presence. Something about. I remember feeling like, "Whoa, what is what is that? What's happening here?" Like he just changed the energy of the room just by standing there. I swear to God, it was like his 
demeanor or his, but um, his presence. And he, he was on the show like two weeks later, three weeks, because he had some topical material about Obama. And I was like, oh, shit. And uh, followed up, followed up, followed up. Okay, you know what? We like this, but we want to s- switch the closer. We need to see the tape finishes. Switch the closer around. Fuck, okay, yeah. I really wanted to end it this way. I mean, I spent so much time figuring out this is, to me, the best way. Oh, now, but we think you should, okay, flip-flop the last two jokes. Okay. And then I ran, I was trying to run that five-minute set at Comic Strip in New York, and I ran into the bookers. They were there to watch Brian Kiley, who was taping the next day. Right. So Brian went up, and then I went up after Brian. I basically walked into another live audition because mm. the bookers were there. Luckily, I was very prepared. And Brian Colley, who's a great comic, set set up the table perfectly for me because he's doing a Letterman set joke that's all like quick, joke, joke, joke. Now the crowd's prepared. I'm not following like some guy who's doing crowd work or yeah. raunchy. Yeah. Or, yeah. So and then after that... that I then I waited again and again, and I finally got a phone call saying, "Hey, we're looking at sometime in March." And then, uh, then I got a call in March, and like I did it like a week later. So that was the process. But the point I was getting to for all of this shit yeah. was oh, yeah, fascinated. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome, right? I felt great about it. It was a really good feeling. It was a huge monkey off my back because I had obsessed about it. It doesn't happen this way for all comics, right? right. Some. Like Che, he went and auditioned and was on two weeks later. Piece of cake, right. just kind of nice and smooth. Goes that way for not me. Yeah. I had to obsess to almost the point of, you know, a mental collapse <laughs> to make this thing happen. And um, but you made it happen. That's but I too. did, and then it was great, and then it wears off, and then I spent the last six or seven years, I think I'd been in New York six years at that point. Um, in New York, climbing all the ladders, getting into the, all the good comedy clubs, finally getting the cloud. I needed to get the audition, getting the audition, getting the show, doing Letterman. It went great. Then there's this weird thing where like, oh shit, I hit my goal. Mm. Now, now what am I working towards? Now, yeah. yep. goes. I didn't have any, I had, I didn't have any like, new goals. I thought Letterman was the best late night TV show to be on. Of course I could do another late night spot, which I did. I did Ferguson mm-hmm. about a year later. And, um, but I was like, this is I'm, now I feel like I'm just running in circles here. Yeah. And I think that's what was 2014. That was about the time I moved out here. I was like, I need to change. I need to change. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I can see that's what else I can get into. And in, in LA has been great, you know. I got into the clubs and I made, some, I met my fiance and we got a dog that you guys heard about. And uh, he's the best. And uh, so now I'm still doing comedy and I love comedy and I always love comedy. But um, New York, I was so kind of obsessed with comedy that it was all I had. Mm. I can remember when I would not get my spots at the cellar and I'd be miserable for the. The whole week because I didn't get my seller spots, which is this is on me. It's not on them. But when your happiness and your well being is, is tied a hundred percent to your career, that's unhealthy, right? 
out here I have way more balance. So that would be my advice. If I was going to pass advice, don't. It's good to be obsessed because it does get you ahead, but at some point you need to have you need to have the balance in your yeah. life with uh career and and having a life. So someone once I think it was I can't remember who he quoted somebody else, my buddy uh Daniel was like he said you got to live a life worth talking about mm. on stage. Yeah. It's true. If you just if you sometimes all I would do is comedy, I'm like I think all I got is jokes about driving and flying and hotels because that's, that's all cool. I that's fucking you. do. Yeah. The and taking the subway, is, yeah. Is, is a common theme for a reason. Right, yeah. yeah. I got some fresh takes on the airplane. Jokes, <laughs> the totally fresh. I got some fresh takes. Oh, yeah. It's like, can you imagine the comics as soon as they start putting the, the screens in the back of the TVs? They're like, new stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually my joke. Why that's my jokes about... Sky? My joke is about, it's new, I'm, my joke is about I'm watching a movie on the plane and the guy next to me is watching the same movie but he's one minute ahead of me. So it's very distracting. It's like I was looking into a minute into the future. I'm like, is this guy gonna die? Oh yeah, he dies. You know, like, uh, <laughs> he's holding the gun to the guy's head and they're having the conversation. Yeah, yeah. He's like, if you're gonna be a big man, pull the tree, just like, you're like, okay. That's yeah, that's I'm still working that out, but that's my new fresh airline. I like that. Boom. So yeah, that was pretty heavy, wasn't it? I drank a lot of coffee to get through that whole story, dude. I that that's what my listeners like. They don't yeah. they don't want the hey we have a googly bit like they there's a thousand other podcasts they can yeah. listen to if they want to hear guys just sort of spitballing and being I, they like dude. I, I can tell you right now the amount of comics in Canada that I've come up with that were like while they were coming up, their goal was to do Letterman, right? That that's not an option for them anymore, right? You know what I mean? So he's got a Netflix show. But yeah, yeah. Well, he puts out an episode once every three months or something. Yeah, you have to become president of the United States yeah. or the biggest, you know, recording or like George so Clooney or or yeah, Jay Z. Jay Z. Then you can get on there. <laughs> well, did you know? Okay, so this is a funny story. You work absolute comedy. Uh, you know Jason particularly well. Yeah. Uh, you know Jason's shit about. I mean, you you're you've been crazy professional. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen you go long or anything like that. No, I never but do. You go. Two minutes long, three minutes long, and Jay's like, "Hey, can't you can't 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 you can't, can't, can't go long? I, I can't have you going long. Get it tomorrow night." Got two top, four top. We're gonna, we're gonna so, put mirrors on the ceiling. We're gonna, we're gonna, Simon, you got the sound all fucked up. Simon, get the Simon, fucking sound. Fucking idiot! Okay, so just play the spaghetti song. Spaghetti song. Spaghetti song. Spaghetti song. You heard about that? What? No. Were you there? I mean, I know that they play the Eminem song all the time. Yeah. Well, they, one night Brendan put the uh, Brendan McKeegan put on the spaghetti version of that song. Uh, he just keeps saying spaghetti, and Jason thought he was having a stroke. Uh, <laughs> they, they didn't tell him, and he's like, uh, he thought he was having a fucking stroke because it just kept saying spaghetti, spaghetti, and he's like, <laughs> I remember when we, we, uh, I guess Jason gets startled easily when he wakes up. When he wakes like if, up, if you if you wake him up, if you wake yeah, him up, yeah. he's like, he thinks he's getting murdered or something. You know how there's some people they're like, hey, you wake him up, they're like, what, what are you on? Some people you sh shake them awake, they're like, ah, ah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I I that, wake him up almost every day. Oh well, so I don't know, but he <laughs> but, was. We were in the comedy club in Toronto, and he was he had set up camp, and he's sleeping in the green room. Yeah, okay. That's when you know a club owner is hustling their ass off when they go and sleep in their green room of their yeah. rather than getting a hotel or whatever. But um, he was exhausted for whatever reason, and we were all drinking out by the front bar. And we were all like, hey, let's go wake up, Jason. <laughs> so there was like, I don't know, eight or 10 of us. We all creeped around the little fold-out bed thing that he was on. 
And one, two, three, blah, and he was like, ah! There's 10 fucking comics all drunk standing over him like, hey, buddy. It's like, I hear he's at this thing where he wakes up terrified. I'm like, mm, I yeah, think that, that might be everybody. It might be a reaction. Considering so the last uh, Letterman show, the very last airing of Letterman show in Canada was on a, was on a network. So uh, Letterman's on, and that show ran long. Yeah. In Canada, they cut, they cut off at the, at the top of the hour when the show ended. They cut it off. And they aired the comedy now, which is like Comedy Central presents in Canada. Oh, I feel like I and know this story. And it was Jason's comedy now, right? And so everybody in the country starts joking about like, did Jason Lawrence just cut fucking Letterman's? Yeah, line? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For running long, it was fucking others. And Jay, of all the people, any any other comic who'd ever done a comedy now would have been like, do you know how many people were just watching me like right now? My special start, who might be like, whatever, just leave it running, whatever it is. Yeah. But I'm like Jay, who would quit comedy. Right. <laughs> it's like the only comic who'd be like, oh, I can't make use of all those eyes on Right. Me. I don't yeah. care. You didn't give a shit. <laughs> Does it bring more people to my club? <laughs> no. I have a uh, quick funny story. I don't know yeah. how long we've been talking for. I, I, we're, you got to get going soon. Well, we don't have to go. It's uh, I'm not going to try to stay the rest of our lives here, but tell stories. Uh, so... Uh, I, I did a three thirty. If that makes a difference, we got to be there for three thirty, and it's yeah. I should probably get out of here. Five minute drive, unless it, it gets starts to get crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's going to turn into an hour long drive. Okay, okay. So if you want to grab lunch and all that, you should probably get on the road by you know I don't know. You don't want to have to stress to get out there. Is it worth driving down to see the beach? Someone's like, yeah, this, yeah. Oh, like it's definitely down. worth it. Should we grab food there? Yeah, I'll tell you guys where to go. Okay, great. We can talk about it off, yeah, yeah, yeah. off the air. I want to get the story. <laughs> um, so I was shortly after Letterman. I was on a short list as a backup for this Clean Guys of Comedy movie. Oh, nice. Okay. That was put together by Dave Coulier. They kind of, you know, people have opinions about uh, his style of comedy or whatever. He's a great guy. And, um, but, uh, it was satellite broadcasts, live satellite broadcasts in 600-something theaters all around the country. Uh, it's, they do it with opera, and they do it, they've had some success with opera. And so Dave was trying to do this with clean comedy, which was a noble idea. Uh, long story short, a couple people fell out. I got the spot. It was shortly after I did uh, Letterman, the same year I did Letterman, so that helped. Um, it was at this theater in Denver. It uh, it went great. My portion went great. Um, I don't think it had a lot of success in the theaters. It, I think it did pretty poorly. They, it was only running one night live. Yeah. And so how many people are like specifically going to go see... 8 p.m. on Thursday, live clean comedy, the one time it's available. Like, it's very yeah. tight window, right? Yeah. It's not like, hey, it's a U2 concert. Come see a U2 concert. There. Right. No. Yeah. With no names, except for Dave. The rest of, you know, there were some other people. The, uh, Jamie Kennedy was on there. Wow. And clean he was, comedy? Yeah, that's the thing. It was like they were just trying to get um, names. Some people that had fan base and this was th four four years ago ish 2013 september of Five 2013 okay. so a long story short it wasn't very successful um but in my head i was like 
hey, this is a good opportunity. I'll get it. It's like a six camera shoot. I'll get a good tape out of it. Could use it for corporate gigs or whatever. Who knows? I didn't know if it was going to be successful or not. But if even if it wasn't, I'm like, I'm still going to get a good tape out of it, right? Yeah, man. So the it wasn't successful. Of course, I couldn't see the live taping in the theater because I was doing it, right? So the following week, I was back in New York City. They were doing a one-time encore uh, airing or whatever. Not airing, but it was showing in theaters for an encore. All the same theaters all around the country. It was showing down on... What's that? Uh, Union Union Square in New York City. Oh, wow. In this theater. The one night, Thursday, again, Thursday at 8 p.m. or whatever it was. I'm like, I got to go see myself in New York City in Union Square on the big screen yeah. in this movie theater. I got to go. Uh, I had a spot at the Comedy Cellar that night. Um, Went to the theater. They had... And the re-airing, they had shifted the... I went third when it was live. They had kind of... I think they had... If I'm not mistaken, I know on the DVD when it came out, they moved me first. I had a good set. The I'm patting myself on the back here, but they moved me up front because they wanted to keep... keep set, the, set the pace on Keep the momentum, right? I think that's why they did. So anyway, they switched it around. I thought I'd get a chance to see myself. Or maybe I thought I was going... I don't know how it worked, but I. Long story short, during, I finally came up on screen. There was, oh, by the way, there was only one other person in the whole theater, really? me and one other dude. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I finally came up on screen, and I'm looking at my watch. And I got to get down to the comedy cellar to do my spot, so I had to get up, and I literally walked out on myself. <laughs> 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 you walked yourself out of the room That's and uh, the other guy looked at me like you, what you're not gonna I didn't say anything to him did he know it was you N no but I thought well, that would caught was like in reality if I were gonna tell the story on stage which I have a couple of times I, I say the guy looks at me like what now I was like yeah this guy sucks you know <laughs> but uh, the, the truth is the guy just looked at me like wow dude you're bailing already you know but I had to leave yeah. I guess I think it was. Did you get to walk backwards out of the theater so you can still watch yeah, yourself yeah. on. But that was a weird moment. <laughs> this just in this empty movie theater, and I'm up on the big screen, and I walked out on myself. <laughs> this is 2013. You got to think like, what were they thinking of doing like a live stream in a movie theater when everyone now? I mean, I guess this is pre Netflix. When today, like you can just have on-demand kind of video and stuff. They have the mentality well, they of doing broadcast. They, they have had success of seeing. Um, I think it's live at the Met. Okay. The opera, and maybe some kind of symphony thing. But that's because you go into it. It's a different experience. You, if you can't be there, say you live in Indiana and you want to see opera or you want to see a big ass symphony well if you go into a theater with all the dolby sound and a big screen and you can go you can really get a much better experience than watching that at home right and so that now, was you the can't model go see it live either like that 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 47 piece orchestra doesn't tour around oh they're coming to right birmingham like so that model makes sense yeah. and they tried to do it with comedy thinking you know but it didn't work, unfortunately. I know they they invested a lot of money in that anyway. But it was good for my story. It's still friggin' incredible. Like these are all experiences that live six hundred theaters, That's right? Amazing. Yeah. Well, 
It was I, like a comedy, clean comedy live aid. The, va- the value in it as a business person was that they were promoting it for a month or two in these theaters before it happened. So when you go in to watch the previews, oh, yeah. there was a clip of me playing, doing stand-up in HD on a giant theater. Hey, come in this, you know. I think most of them were Dave, but I got in that rotation. That's still awesome. So, That's awesome, yeah. So, you know. There's more eyes on you, you know, from a business standpoint. So that was good. But um, anyway, that was my funny story. Yeah, so. Dude, I think that's awesome. If you're now like now that you're here in 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 LA, and like I said, you're doing the clubs and stuff out here. Do you have uh, one of the things that I've just noticed being here is like it's beautiful every day. Yeah, it's seemingly. Anyways, I'm sure you got to put on a, a fall jacket at some point. I I so I like uh, I I like the winter here. I like. I like that it gets cooled. I grew up on the East Coast. That it yeah. gets a little cool. In Santa Monica specifically, it'll get down and like as low as we get is like the 50s, 55 degrees. Yeah, which is like what, zero? No, it's not 10. even. It's like 10 degrees? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's not that cold. But it's, you oh, know, it's crisp, right? In, uh, but uh, I'm. it's perfect every day, which is gets a little... Annoying, actually, sometimes because you're like, man, I want something different. I want some yeah. rain. I want some thunderstorms or something. I want a shitty day where I can just sit inside and watch movies and not feel guilty. Just when it's seizing the day every day. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if it's beautiful, you have to seize the day, and then I feel guilty when I like on Sundays. I love football. I'll just sit there and watch football all day, and I'm like, my God, I got to get outside. But it is nice, man. Like if I if I got a road gig or something, I know somewhere in uh, California. I'm not going to have any problems other than traffic. Yeah. There's not going to be You're not going to hit a snowstorm or a car has been. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it, unless there's a fire. We've been here for four days and I feel like I've been here two weeks yeah. just because every day we like get up. Okay. We got to go do this. We got to go see that. We got to go record this. We got to get to this club. We got to go like, and I'm like, well, yeah, when you're filling the time too. Holy shit. That'll really make things drag. Yeah. Like today's today's crazy. I mean, you're going to a fa- uh, going to Kimmel taping. Then we're going to the Comedy and Magic Club, like, and, and it's I'm not complaining, yeah. But it's I totally know what you get. Like even to to leave the house at noon, I'm like, we had all morning. We could have gone and drove down Hollywood Boulevard and seen some shit, or we could have gone up to. Yeah, it's very spread out here too. Yeah, I saw a graphic once online that uh, that had five major metropolis cities, and they laid them over L.A. County, and they all fit inside of L.A. County. Like it was like New York, Chicago, blah blah blah. They yeah. all like wow, because it's so spread out. It's huge. It's huge. I have friends. I got a check from one of my for one of my buddies who lives over in like an area called Little Armenia. Yeah, uh, we got a. I got a check for the show that we were supposed to do. Long story, but I'm like, I think I'm just gonna send it to you because uh-huh. I don't feel like driving the hour out to you know. You comedy and magic, you guys are going to have to hustle your ass to get down there. Yeah, we're we going to give it an hour. Well, how, give it an hour and a half, probably from Burbank. How long is the? Uh, and it's only like twenty an miles. Hour and a half. Oh, you're saying so when we leave Kimmel out to comedy and magic? Yeah, you're saying it's an hour from Burbank. For sure, it's an hour from here, and I'm thirteen miles at if you go at rush hour. Okay. Well, so, I don't. We don't know what time. The Kimmel taping is going to end. We know when to be there, but we have no idea how long. Yeah, it's going you'll to probably be. get out of there by six, I'd say. You think so? I'm, I don't know. Okay, I'm if guessing. we have to be at Comedy Magic for eight, then we should be fine, theoretically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I hope so. 
So we're going to edit that part out. Do you guys want me to give you directions? Let's put the directions on the podcast. Sure. Well, we've got Google Okay, Maps. so what we're you're going to do is well. take... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, yeah, man, I, I, I totally, like I said, feel it. Every day I'd wake up and I'd be like, I have to be writing. I have to be out pounding the pavement. Are you... Are you going out every night to the clubs? No. No. I go when I have a spot, and uh, that's it. I uh, I don't even do the hang anymore. I used to do the hang. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I just, it's like, you know, I'm, I have enough work on the road, and I'd like to have a little more here. I should be. I should be if I wanted to, you know. Like I said, I've been to the store five times in four years. Oh, wow. How do you get, how do you, get into a club if you never show your face that's there big, right yeah. well know? that's that's i felt that i haven't done the hang or the the going out every night to the club in years i i go out when i'm working if right. i have a one-nighter or corporate or whatever it is i'll work it but i'm not looking for excuses to throw away my spare time in the evening just go sit around and shoot the uh, shit with yeah i did eight eight years of that in new york every single night out every single night on the road when i wasn't you know if i wasn't on the road i was out in a club I, I can remember being like one time being home on a Friday night. I didn't have any spots and I was not on the road. And I was just like, what, what do I do? I don't, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. Cause I didn't even know what to do with my time. I was like, I guess I'll watch a movie or something. You know, it was weird. Yeah. It was like this weird, lonely feeling of like, I'm supposed to be somewhere right now. Yeah. Know? So I did years and years and years of that. So now I'm in a I'm a little more established, but you know, I always I'd say once a week it crosses my mind like, dude, you should be out there hanging out. Well, I feel the pressure this week just being here. Like I don't want to I don't want to go by by five o'clock. I'm ready to roll back to our Airbnb at open up my iPad, watch Netflix, and pass out. Like that's what I want to do. Yeah. But I feel like the foot on my neck of like get the fuck out there and be some. Well, yeah, you guys are also something. visiting, you know. But yeah. if you yeah. lived out here for a while, you'd be like, eh. yeah, maybe we can decide something else. Yeah. They, I, I remember talking to a guy before I moved out. He's like, really, you're going to LA? LA makes you soft. And, really? Uh, yeah. Because versus New York, right? New York, you really people are very motivated out in New York yeah. to get. It's very competitive. And uh, he's right to a degree. L.A. has made me soft, but I'm uh, a lot happier. You know, not that I was miserable in New York, but it's just like, ah, this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, dude, it seems amazing out here. Like I, I didn't, I didn't ever want to be here for the first <laughs> few nights until yesterday when we went out to Burbank to see DJ. And I'm like, oh, there is streets that have more than one lane yeah there way. are and there's, and there's not suburbs every, i'm like oh thank i go i could yeah. okay i could live in a place like this where i don't feel terrified to walk down the street to the yeah, grocery we, we've store. been staying yeah. in west hollywood so you can yeah. see the the density and sort of like oh uh, yeah west hollywood yeah and i'm like if this is what i would have to be in like I, I you want that decompress i want to be able to go home and just spend the day where i don't have to go out and everywhere i walk is like fucking insanity stimulus coming at you everywhere yeah <laughs> so it's nice to see I, I've loved send the drive through Santa Monica well I'll send you guys around Santa Monica before you go back go up to your taping yeah, yeah. it looks nice here like this is another spot that I'm like okay I get this everyone's what clean yeah you know what I mean everything looks like it looks watch like out you'll find the live. occasional human feces on the corner every once in a while down I here could, so. I could live with that uh, I could yeah. live with that you but, don't see that in Canada but every like even even just like every three it freezes <laughs> 
every three stores in West Hollywood is like fucking out of business, barred window. I'm like, it just looks like the place is falling apart. Yeah, it's like uh, those movies about the future. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Like posters ripped half ripped like, off the walls, like apocalyptic almost. Yeah. garbage. Yeah, it's we're getting there. We're yeah. working on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the fact that if I was to come into an area like that, I could be twenty five minutes away in Burbank or thirty minutes away. A lot of people in, like. In I lived Monica. in Burbank when I first came out here, and Burbank's nice. It's it gets hot as shit in the summer though. That's the only problem. It's different here. Yeah, it's always in the summer here. It's almost like fifteen to twenty degrees cooler. You get coastal winds. Is it the water? Yeah, that's what. So. I was living in Burbank with Jesse Joyce when I first moved out here. Gary Veter, super funny comic, yeah. came out to visit. He was taping something or whatever. And he crashed on our couch, and I took him to Santa Monica just to be a good tour guide. And it was blazing hot out there. And we got out here, and it was 20 degrees cooler. And I just couldn't get over it. I was just like, holy shit, this is so much nicer. So much more pleasant. And then Jesse was thinking about moving back to New York. We weren't, it was a temporary situation. So I knew I needed to move. And I was like, let's see if I can find a place in Santa Monica. It's expensive as shit out here. Yeah. But it's no more expensive than living in Astoria, Queens or whatever. New York's expensive to live. So I had kind of gotten used to having high rent anyway. And, uh, I was, it's very competitive out here too. It's like you're getting cast for a show. It's the same thing you're getting cast for an apartment. It's so perfect for Los Angeles that when you, ha when you go out, not only can you have, do you have to have good credit, but you have to be the right fit. You know what I mean? Like I would show up to apartments and there would be 10 people there already filling out forms. That's how competitive wow. it is for. It's credit based. Yeah, it's credit based. Yeah. You know, it's funny. What are your it's credits? Like, I got Letterman, Mastercard. Yeah. So before this place, yeah, before this place, I found a, a studio that the guy had just listed, and I called him, and he's like, "I'm showing tomorrow at four. And I said, "Can you show it to me in the morning?" I can't remember what I had to do. I had to go out of town or something, and he's like, "All right, I can meet you over there." And I get over there. He's like, "You're the first person I'm showing this to." Da da da. And it was like sixteen hundred bucks for this studio. It's probably like this room and that room. That's it. Yeah, yeah. tiny, sixteen hundred bucks, but a mile from the beach in Santa Monica. And uh, I had so much trouble trying to find a place. I just said, and I couldn't afford it. I just said, I'll take it. And he goes, All right, let's. We're gonna do a credit check. And then next day, he's like, Dude, I can tell you're a good guy. You know. He didn't even do a credit check. So didn't bother. Didn't bother. He's like, okay, we're gonna I talked to the landlord. He was like working for the landlord. He's like, You're out, you're in. And that's how it all started. And I was like, I'll figure out a way to make it work. And I did. But um, Okay, so you did have you, you did have that studio. I had that studio. Okay, I'm like, you're here, so I'm like, what happened? Well, this Why place, didn't it, it took work us like, three months to find. Wow. And um same deal. I showed up here. They had an open house thing. I showed up here and there was already people in that living room filling out paperwork. How do we make this work? How do we make this work? And what I did is I stuck around and I waited till everyone left. So I just had just me and the rental agent. And I said, you know, I started talking to her about, she was from the South and she was into college football. And we started talking about this. And I said, look, man, we're having such a tough time and I love this apartment. What can I do? You know? And she's like, oh, I'm not supposed to tell you, but move-in date. That's, uh, you gotta have good credit and you 
if you the sooner you can move in, I was like, okay. I filled out the form immediately, so I got the first form in, and I told her I'll move in tomorrow because I was so desperate at that point. Yeah. And this place is great; this is a perfect. Yeah, the perfect. neighborhood's beautiful. Everything looks amazing. Like that's the thing too is you don't need a shitload of space, especially if you're on the road all the time. If you're never home, right? Yeah, I'm on the road about half the time. But this 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 is big for out here for Santa Monica. Anyway, you guys can't see this listening, but. Yeah. Like it's I really uh, like the cathedral th- ceilings that yeah, you have in here. The jacuzzi is incredible. Yeah, yep. And uh, there's the maid. Yeah, hey, I was gonna say if hey. she could stop walking I'm past Anita. the doorway. I was just about to make a yeah. maid joke too. What do you mean joke? <laughs> what do you mean joke? Uh, <laughs> no, well, dude, it's a wicked spot. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on this, guys. Dude, thanks for being a part of it. I appreciate. I think it. we talked about everything we need to talk about. <laughs> I think we, we got to save something for next time. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, good luck with all your uh, adventures here in LA. Thank you. He's like hosting me now. Yeah, he's, he's like get, wishing me that. Everything. I wish you the best, buddy. You yeah. Like again, I I love seeing your successes. I'm gonna let you go. Uh, in terms of uh, people who just want to to follow you and see your stuff, what can uh, my website's andyhendrickson.com. Uh, Twitter at andyhendrickson. Instagram andyhendrickson. I'm not as active on. I don't tweet a whole lot. But yeah. when I do, it's good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instagram, I like. My website has my comedy. Um, I suck at marketing. I'm not even, I'm down. Don't go to my stuff. Don't even. <laughs> I just quit. Actually, I'm quitting. Yeah. I'm, quit, <laughs> I'm like quitting line, comedy like on. <laughs> I'm quitting comedy today. No, I think I'll keep going. I don't know. Just check it out if you want. So this will probably be airing about three weeks from now. Do you have any dates coming up in, say, late November? Or what's uh, working? I think most of the stuff I'm doing is. Um, in November, no. I'll be doing Thanksgiving at my mom's house oh, if anyone wants to attend. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing some stuff something. in Alaska, Leave November 15, 16, Ooh, 17. Do you guys have any Alaska listeners? We do now. Yeah. Um, and the rest I have is like a lot of corporate gigs until the end of the year. Good. That's I'll awesome. be doing Great. some local stuff in LA. So. Well, Good. thank you for doing this. Uh, I, I always appreciate your time, dude. You've been a... Uh, You've been amazing to watch. You've been amazing to work Thanks, with. Thanks, buddy. And thank you for welcoming us into your home. Of course. Thanks for coming out here. Yeah, man. Let's yeah. find out about food now. Okay. Thanks. Off the air. <laughs> <laughs>